Yo, what is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We are on episode 23, and this week we will be talking about a whole fuckload of milestones. Oh my, this was the week of the milestone. We got some record-breaking stuff. We got hot streaks. We got cold streaks. Obviously, we're going to be talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames, as well as I'm going to take a look at some players that have been fitting in well with their new teams. So let's get into it. The hockey stuff from around the league and whatnot. Anyway, uh, gotta, right away, let's get into it. Phil Kessel hits 1,000 games in a row. Holy shit, dude. No one, now with no doubt, that is a record that no one is ever going to replicate uh, straight up because, like, just think about it, man. Like, the way that the game is played now, the the amount of luck that has gone into Phil Kessel's 1,000 straight games played is just astronomical. Like, you would probably have a better chance of striking the lottery three times in a year than playing 1,000 games in a row in the NHL in today's game. Because, I mean, the fact that Phil Kessel never took a stick in the face, a puck in the mouth where his freaking chicklets got exploded, never received any major injuries, never broke a bone throughout these 1,000 games, never got a sickness that was so bad that couldn't stop shitting himself one day or something, that he was just like, oh boys, I can't get out there and play, I just can't stop shitting from all the Coca-Cola I drank, but... And, and hot dogs, there, I'll make, there's your hot dog joke, fucking unbelievable, but, wow, dude, Phil Kessel with the, I don't know if there's a better Ironman streak out there, I don't, I don't know of other sports Ironman streaks, but, and on top of that, the fact that it's Phil Kessel of all players to hit a thousand games in, the, in a row is probably the funniest thing ever, because if you don't know, Phil Kessel has taken a lot of flack over his career for his lack of, I don't know, maybe uh, effort, I guess people would like to call it. But if you if you know Phil Kessel's career and, and what he's like, he works very hard, man. It's just that maybe he doesn't work on things that other players are working on, like endurance and stuff like that, because Phil is just a naturally gifted athlete. He doesn't necessarily need to do those things. It would have been great, a lot better for his career, maybe if he did take those extra steps. Who knows? Maybe he would be a bona fide first ballot Hall of Famer right now instead of a lot of people are kind of on the fence of Phil Kessel entering the Hall of Fame. Me, personally, I'm I'm all in Phil Kessel for the Hall of Fame. Maybe not a first ballot. might take like a little while, but I think Phil Kessel is a Hall of Famer. Uh, the amount of winning that he's done, the Iron Man streak, the... I mean, come on, the the fact that he played through cancer, he's had a, he was a very solid player, and um, yeah, I, I, I would be very happy if Phil Kessel made it into the Hockey Hall of Fame, but again, when you look at some of the guys that aren't in there, McGilney, Roenick, so on and so forth, it makes me a little hesitant, but I feel like any day now, maybe McGilney, any year, maybe this century, Alexander McGilney will be put into the Hockey Hall of Fame because, I mean, he's, he's, it's, it's, it blows my mind that he's not in there. But regardless, what do you guys think? Do you think Phil Kessel is going to go into the Hall of Fame? Like, say he has another two years left. Yeah, his offense has kind of dropped off and, um, 
yeah, he's basically a like he's not. There's not really much going on with Phil Kessel. He's over there in, in Vegas right now. He's doing his thing, but yeah, it's he's kind of dropped off, which is a shame. But I don't know. He did really good last year in Arizona. Didn't put up the goals, but the amount of assists that he piled up in uh, in a very bad Arizona team was quite impressive. But even more impressive is the fact that he played one thousand games in a row. <laughs> that's just so mind-blowing and my buddy Jesse and his, and his brother Luke were at his 1,001st game when Vegas took on the Washington no when Vegas took on the Edmonton Oilers my bad I say Washington because my friend wore a Alexander Ovechkin jersey Washington Capitals jersey at an Edmonton Vegas game and uh, me personally I was fine with that I'm like it's Ovechkin like He's one of the best, most ho- most popular players in the league over the last 15 years. He's one of the more most recognizable players in the NHL of all time. And, of course, he told me while he was there, someone gave him flack for wearing an Ovechkin jersey at an Edmonton Oilers game. And, like, I understand it, but, like, dude, it's Ovechkin. Like, I would be fine with that if, if someone was wearing an Ovechkin and or a Crosby jersey at a Leaf game or something. Because I'm like... Well, that guy's just probably a fan of hockey or something. Or he might be trolling us for all I know or care. I don't care. Wear whatever the hell jersey you want, man. I think the weirder it is, like, if you just happen to, if you're going to a Leaf Boston game and you're sitting there wearing a Habs jersey, that would be freaking hilarious. Yes, you'd probably get eaten alive by the crowd, but it'd be really funny because, I mean, I have a massive jersey foul when it comes to Calgary Flames. I have a Matty Kachuk jersey. And I bought it after he got traded because it was cheap. And uh, I love the number 19. I enjoy Matty Kachuk. I think he's a very entertaining player. I know he's not a lot of people's favorite player because of his, his antics and shenaniganery and obviously just ditching the Calgary Flames. But it's not like he didn't let everybody know that he didn't really plan on staying with Calgary. It was always in his plans to rather go play for Florida or to go play for the Blues. So if if you were paying attention to what Matty Kachuk was saying, it, it shouldn't have been that big of a surprise that he, he didn't stick around. But I understand that it was a shock the way that he left. He was kind of just like, fuck this shit. I'm out. Trade me now. Or, or or else, basically. And yeah, I can understand that leaving a bad taste in the mouth of Calgary Flames fans, but I got a sick-ass Flames jersey for like half price. I can't say no, man. I just cannot say no. And um, so yeah, man, with Phil Kessel, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Congratulations, Phil Kessel, for doing that. Over a thousand games in a row. Do you guys think that anyone could touch that? I mean, the next closest guy is Brett Burns. He's old as fuck. He's good, but there's no way he's going to play another 350 straight games in a row. Not going to happen. I can't see anybody touching that. I think Phil Kessel is going down into the record books for the rest of time, and that is incredible. I think that is just so fitting because Phil Kessel is one of the biggest anomalies when it comes to NHL players, like I was saying earlier before I trailed off into all all that crazy tangent, whatever the fuck I just talked about. I blacked out. I don't remember. But... Phil Kessel doesn't necessarily take care of his body the way that other NHL players do. He, at points in his career, he would he would not drink water. He would only drink Coca-Cola. Some things that you wouldn't expect out of an NHL athlete and a very good athlete at that. But Phil Kessel, you know, there's stories out there that he, he is one of the most... 
he certain things he can do in the gym or that he's better at than virtually everybody in the league apparently he can squat like an insane amount of weight and all that great stuff so he's got a lot of strength in his lower body and I don't care. I think Phil Kessel is one of my favorite players of all time. I love Phil Kessel. He's hilarious. Everything that he does is just un unintentionally hilarious. Like, listen to any interview with Phil Kessel. The one that comes to mind is he's he's being interviewed by a reporter, and she's like, oh, you're the the breath isn't so good out there is it and he's like hi yeah it's terrible and then she's like oh no your endurance he's like ha, ha and his laugh is so good man phil kessel is a natural a national treasure don't even get me started so yeah you're talking to uh, one of the biggest phil kessel fans out there i adore phil kessel and uh, we're not done when it comes to milestones, man. We got a, a laundry list of milestones. Evgeny Malkin plays in his 1,000th NHL game. And honestly, I was surprised that he's only hit 1,000 games. But congratulations to Evgeny Malkin. There was a really fun uh, situation at the Pens. Well, they're on the road. But uh, the Pens, everybody on the team on warm-ups, they all imitated Evgeny Malkin's warm-up routine where he's on his back, uh, like, spreading his legs. So just that imagery of the whole Penguins team on the ice laying on their backs and, like, wiggling their legs back and forth. Very, very funny. Great touch right there. And on top of that, I didn't see this, but I, I as far as I can, I've, from what I heard, Evgeny Malkin's son read the lineup or whatever for the game and that was really nice and touching and all that great stuff but Evgeny Malkin man first ballot hall of famer I would have to say all the three Stanley Cups dominating player plays even more dominant when Crosby's not in the lineup is a bona fide first line center on every single team except the team that he's on basically um a ton of fun to watch Evgeny Malkin and maybe his play has taken a slight, slight dippage off. And yeah, he gets a lot of injuries. Hence why I was a little surprised why he was only at 1,000 games. I felt like he's he's past that. But I believe he's in like the 1,200-point range. He's well over a point a game player. Uh, yeah, dude. Evgeny Malkin is absolutely an incredible player. And 1,000 games. Nice big celebration for him and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And rightfully so. I mean, Malkin is... Uh, he's hes really entertaining himself. He could be an asshole, but uh, he's entertaining. He's quite entertaining. And another... <laughs> this is another freaking milestone. Patrice Bergeron hits his 1,000th NHL point. And a large celebration for Patrice Bergeron. I have to give him his due... Patrice Bergeron is probably uh, one of the most respected players in all of NHL history. Quite possibly the, the most respected NHL player in the league today. Can't really pull out another name that may have more respect. I mean, Crosby is up there, but there's people that don't like him. I, I, I can't really think of a... This is coming from me, who I hate the Bruins so much, so insanely much... That I can't, I, even though I hate the Bruins so much, and Bergeron has been a major reasoning why my sadness exists in, in the NHL, because Bergeron has been the final nail in the coffin for the Leafs a whole lot of fucking times. But regardless, man, I can't help but respect the guy. He's an amazing human being, one of the greatest leaders of all time. Uh, the fact that he keeps taking... Uh, 
um, decreases in his pay amount. Like the guy has left millions of dollars on the table just so that he can win with his organization. He would do anything. He's he'll sacrifice. He's very unselfish. And um, yeah, he's a he's an incredible player. Yet another first ballot Hall of Famer. Now maybe he didn't put up. He's not necessarily that point-of-game player or whatever. He just hit his 1,000th point, which is incredible. Huge milestone for any NHL player. He's at about 1,200 games or so. He's been playing. <laughs> he's got drafted in 2003, man, and he's still going strong. Quite possibly playing even better. Like, Patrice Bergeron is your classic He's, he's a fine wine, baby. He just keeps getting better with age. He continues to produce. He continues to be uh, a Frank, uh, a Selkie nominee for virtually his whole entire career, other than the beginning of his career where he wasn't like elite, elite defensively. But the fact that he came into the league with the defensive skills that he had as a forward at that young age, it was quite, uh, quite amazing. You don't see that too often. Young players having that high of a two-way game developed at that age. So Patrice Bergeron right out of the gate was uh, quite quite the player, and he continued to just keep getting better and better. Wins the Stanley Cup in 2011, had a major role in that. Then he's been the captain ever since Chara left, and just an incredible career so far. Don't know how much longer he's got. Uh, this may very well be the last season of Patrice Bergeron. Wouldn't be surprised if he did come back for another year. But is, would that be with the Bruins, though? I mean, it would be kind of sickening to see Patrice Bergeron in any other jersey than a Bruins jersey. Personally, I always would have, I always loved the idea of Bergeron playing for the Habs. And it, it is pretty well known that the Habs made a major play to try and get him. But again, Bergeron just being the unselfish team player that he is, he, he said, no, I, I want to be here. I want to play for the Bruins. And... Patrice had offers of upwards to nine and a half million dollars per season said no I will play for six and a half I want to win so that that is some that is something that you know that is just shows the leadership just shows the willingness to win and sh and just incredible like you you would jump into a fire for that guy if if that's the kind of leadership that he's uh, showing off on a day-to-day -day basis incredible just recently the the whole Mitchell Miller thing he came out and spoke about that uh, kind of he talked shit about the ownership which was great I mean Patrice Bergeron man regardless even though he's a Bruin he is uh, he's an incredible player and uh, yeah I'm, I'm down with seeing that guy enter the Hall of Fame it'll be nice to see him not in a Bruins jersey but then he's just gonna go into like coaching gming for the bruins he's never gonna not be around the bruins man he's he's a lifelong bruin but again congratulations to patrice bergeron 1000 nhl points what a fucking player man what a player speaking of what a player kale my fucking car y'all oh my god this guy has broken nhl record that i don't think a lot of people saw ever being broken, honestly. Kale McCarr has become the fastest defenseman to hit 200 NHL points in history. Faster than Bobby Orr, faster than Paul Coffey, Ray Bork, you name it. Brian Leach, forget him. Kale McCarr did it faster than all of them. That's insane. That is absolutely insane. And still to this day, man, I still don't, I still don't know the whole package that is Kale McCarr. I just haven't had the opportunity to watch enough of him. And 
I really just started getting, like, alarmed by some of the things that people... Well, not alarmed, just kind of, like, surprised. Like, oh, fuck, is he really that good? People started saying, like, oh, fuck, he's not... He's not... He's... Or McKinnon's not even the best player on his team anymore. It's McCarr. I was like, oh, snap. And there's people out there that are saying... McDavid may not even be the best player in the league. Some people are saying that Kale McCarr is the best player in the league, which is like, wow, what praise that is considering Connor McDavid exists, Austin Matthews exists, Sidney Crosby exists, and they're saying that this defenseman, this young, what, 22, 23-year-old defenseman who's already won a Stanley Cup, a Conn Smythe, a fucking Norris, and he is just getting started. He is now the fastest scoring defenseman in NHL history to hit 200 points, surpassing Bobby Orr, arguably the greatest defenseman to ever hit the ice. And this kid is matching his his production, surpassing his production, and possibly even more, and he's just getting started. So this is, this is quite possibly we are watching the career of what could be the greatest NHL defenseman of all time. And I still don't even, I haven't even scratched the surface of what this player is, man. Like I still, like I just, every time I watch a Colorado game, I can't help but just lock in on McKinnon, man. He's one of my favorite players to watch. He's just so explosive, so fast on the wing. That guy can shoot a fucking 98 mile per hour bullet off the freaking rush like no other his passing is ridiculous it's just i love watching mckinnon but i really want to start making a more conscious effort to start watching more of kale mccarr just playing game to game yes i've seen his highlights absolutely mind-blowing but i don't get like i've seen i see highlights you could see an amazing highlight like that from almost anyone it's the regularity that mccarr is doing these highlights but me personally i'm still gonna say that mcdavid is the best player in the nhl just because i mean he is so game-breaking and uh, i just how often like it's almost weekly that mcdavid is going to walk through a whole team's defense and score a ridiculous goal not saying that mccart isn't doing that it's just i don't see it on the regularity so i i personally would just go with um McDavid as the best player, but McCarr the best defenseman in the league. Yeah, you got a, a fantastic argument to build on right there. Yes, he hasn't started off with the hotness that maybe everyone was expecting this season. He's picking it up. He's going to get his points. He's going to have a fantastic season. The Colorado Avalanche just won a Stanley Cup. There was more than likely a Stanley Cup hangover. Yeah, they didn't have a great start to the season. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't like you know what you what you would expect maybe from a Stanley Cup winning team out of the gate but you have to you have to remember they just they played that long uh that long playoff run then they had the off season of partying and 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 celebrating and all that that's exhausting too you know drinking and having a good time it can get exhausting when you're doing it day after day after day after day so on and so forth right but um yeah dude Kale McCarr wow what a uh, what a what a what a milestone for him. What a, an incredible record. I have like I have no idea, man, if anyone's going to break that. Defensemen these days are getting outrageously good, man. Like you're looking at guys like Kale McCarr and Adam Fox, they're young. The like they seem to be getting better at younger ages. They're like Rasmus Dahlin has exploded. Owen Power looks like he's going to be something. Like I will be talking about Owen Power a little bit later, but Oh yeah, the Buffalo Sabres have something over there, and we'll talk about the Sabres a little bit later. I I know it's they're having the time right now, but the the at least their that defensive back end looks pretty tasty, so they they have that to rest their their hats on. But holy shit, y'all, Kale McCarr! If um if I got my Colorado fans listening to this or, or Kale McCarr fans like 
let me know like what is this guy doing on the regular basis that no other defenseman is really doing now i can i understand that he's elite offensively elite defensively an amazing skater passer he can he can uh, do the rush all by himself it's um yeah i think i just need to watch a little bit more of him and uh, i i think i will start doing that uh, gladly gladly no problem watching some good players play play but if it's during a leaf game then i, I won't watch it i'm sorry or even a flames game but yeah anyway uh we are still we are still not done with milestones y'all I, I don't know if this is actually it's it's kind of a milestone, I guess, but Marion Hosa having his number 81 retired and his jersey raised by the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, oh, thank God Hosa won those three cups, man, because it started to look like there for a hot minute. That guy was never going to win a cup. If you didn't remember, Marion Hosa uh, was on the Pittsburgh... No. Yes, he was on the Penguins, I believe. Went to the Stanley Cup final. They lost. So, to Detroit. And then he went to Detroit, went to the finals again, and then lost to the Penguins. And everyone was like, oh, God, Marion Hosa just can't get a cup, man. And he was getting older. Then he signs a massive deal with the Chicago Blackhawks and wins three cups there. Becomes a absolute bonafide legend. First, ba like, Hall of Famer, no doubt. Uh, one, of the f one of the best two-way forwards like guy can do everything man and marion hosa was a good fucking player man and a lot of teams when you pick that guy up onto your team all of a sudden you become a stanley cup contender a real threat i mean i remember what he was on the sends he was in atlanta for a hot second probably the only time that the atlanta thrashers were a decent team i, I still don't think they made the playoffs when he was over there but they got close they got close closer than they would have without him uh but Marian Hosa, what a fucking career, man. I was, it really sucks the way that it went down, how it ended, that he was having the, the skin problems where he literally couldn't even wear his equipment anymore whenever he would put his equipment on. Uh, the rashes that he would get were so severe and bothersome that he just couldn't play hockey anymore. And that's just a really, really sad way for a, a player of Marian Hosa's caliber to uh, have to end his career. But... You know, it's great to see him. He has his cups. He has he has an, an incredible NHL career uh, behind him, and now he's getting that respect in Chicago. Having his his number eighty one, one of the greatest numbers of all time, Phil Castle, uh, raised to the banners by the Chicago Blackhawks. Who, yes, they're having a bit of a downswing right now, but at least you guys can go back and look on what was probably going to be a pretty shitty season for the Blackhawks. At least you have this bright point where Marian Hosa was, 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 what do you, what, what's the word? Um, solidified into the Chicago Blackhawks history. So that's great. Good job, Marian Hosa. And I guess speaking of good jobs, John Tortorella, he coached his 1400th game, 1,400 games coached and, um, I have to say, man, you know, I'm not a big, I'm, I don't like, like, I like Tortorella mostly just because of the wacky shit that he says. I mean, just recently they decided, you know, it would be a great idea. Let's, let's interview Tortorella on the bench while his team is getting their shit kicked in. What a great idea. And he says something on the lines of our team is terrible. We are terrible. We're always going to be terrible. I hate my life and I'm going to kill all these players very entertaining now if only he can take that energy and bring it back to the panel because wow when john tortorella was on the panel it was bad like him coaching the vancouver canucks bad it was just very upsettingly bad like you're you would think that's a match made in heaven but 
yeah, Tortorella didn't work on the panel. Maybe the second time around, if he makes it back in there, maybe it'd be better the second time around. I have no idea, but I love when he says his absolutely ridiculous Hawk takes. Like, last season when he said the Michigan goal was bad for hockey, I mean, and he defended it and still defends it to this day. I mean, shut the hell up, you old man yelling at Cloud. But congratulations, John Tortorella. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's, he's, he's a very... Uh, interesting coach man he's gonna go down as one of the more memorable coaches in nhl history and uh the dude wins man he does win he he gets a lot out of his teams his expiration date yeah it's it's not as long as other coaches uh they usually get tired of him before uh too long i mean his his run with columbus was was quite long but there was a lot of ups and downs with his run in columbus you know there was the time where the players had to have a closed-door meeting with him and tell him to knock it off. Like, it's funny that the players were coaching the coach, so that that's a good time. But Tortorella, uh, really, really good coaching career so far. Uh, he's having a hard time here in Philadelphia, but at least that beginning part was a lot of fun. So there you go. John Tortorella, 1,400 fucking games coached. How many more has this guy got in him? I don't know, man. After he coaches the Flyers here, he might he might just call it quits after that because that's going to take a lot out of him. Uh, excuse me. And then Shane Wright, back in the news yet again. Seattle Kraken still not using this player whatsoever it's been scratched a whole bunch of games in a row so many games in a row in fact he is finally able to be sent down to the ahl for a two-week conditioning stint so there you go so if they're able to scratch him for a certain amount of games he was he was going to be eligible to be sent down to the ahl one of a fucking ridiculously weird rule i don't understand it whatsoever but um the Kraken feel that it, it is better for him to sit and watch for uh, about a month without playing so that he can go have a two-week stint in the AHL, play a handful of games there, and then sit for a little bit longer until he can go play at the World Juniors where he can play some fairly meaningful hockey there. Uh, they're convinced that he doesn't. there's nothing more for him to gain to play in the OHL anymore. And they think that he's not good enough to play in the NHL. So Shane Wright is in a really shitty situation, a really kind of stuck in limbo right here. He's he's not eligible to play in the AHL other than this conditioning stint, which is stupid. I don't understand it. I don't really want to get into all the rules of that shit, but it is what it is. That's the fucking rule. He can't play in the AHL because of stupidity. But... There you go. So Shane Wright, I mean, he's young. He's still got a long way to go in his NHL career. People are already calling him a bust, of course. Everyone's going to do that if if NHL players drafted in the top 10 don't come into the NHL and score four goals in their first game like Austin Matthews did, then they're officially a bust. But those people are stupid and don't listen to them. I think Shane Wright is going to be a bona fide top six player in the NHL. I think he's going to do just fine. It's just that the Kraken are doing a lot better than they're expected. Their coach is doing everything that he can to make sure that they're winning. They are winning, so he feels that it's best to not have Shane Wright in the lineup. So that's how it's going to be. It's going to be interesting what happens with Shane Wright after the World Juniors that he plays in. Then we're going to see what happens. Like, what, if he lights it up in the, in the tournament, and are they going to use him? Like, I have no idea what's going to happen with Shane Wright. This season just kind of seems to be kind of a just a 
you know, you're going to have to just kind of bite the bullet this season until he can play in the AHL consistently for a full season or he's good enough to make it onto the AH or the NHL squad, which apparently isn't. Can't say that I've watched his games. I looked at his stats. You know, he's not playing enough minutes in the games that he did to really make an impact. In the time that he played, he didn't make much of an impact at all. I think he got one assist, wasn't getting a lot of shots, wasn't really doing a lot of anything out there can't overly blame him for that like I said the amount of time he was playing on ice was quite low like 11 minutes playing fourth liner minutes and uh, yeah you're not going to get a whole lot of hit, uh, of anything out of a player playing that kind of minutes uh, the type of player that he is anyway but yeah, so there, the ongoing uh, Shane Wright situation is still on ongoing but there's your update on him speaking of updates the St. Louis Blues what the fuck is going on with this team, man? They are such an anomaly right now. Kick off the year with a fucking three-game win streak, then go on an eight-game losing streak, and now they're on a seven-game winning streak. What the hell is going on over there? If I was the GM, if I was the coach, I I don't know. I'd be freaking the fuck out, dude. Like, I would be so upset. I'm like, how can this... How... How is this happening? How can you guys be this inconsistently consistent? I don't know. It's rather they're consistently bad or they're consistently good. I don't understand. Now, yes, you know, two of those two of those wins of the seven were against the Anaheim Ducks, but it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, you you have you beat shitty teams, but what? <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with beating a shitty team? I mean, you should beat a shitty team, and the St. Louis Blues beat the Anaheim Ducks two times, so good that is exactly what should have happened that if they didn't then people would be like oh oh they're terrible look how bad they are they're gonna be last place they're gonna be in the bedard sweepstakes but no all of a sudden the st louis blues are back bennington is back ryan o'reilly is scoring just outrageous amounts of goals and points and that dirty spinning backhand thing that he did in that game oh my god dude and the celebration like the Oh yeah, I've done that a million times celebration. Like, oh yeah, it's all good. Nope, I'm not going to go crazy about that insane goal that I just scored. But Ryan O'Reilly has come to life. Uh, Jordan Cairo has come to life. Thomas has started to get some points. But the big thing is that their special teams have started to click. And Bennington is starting to click. And that's pretty much how the St. Louis Blues go. They go by the way of their goaltending. If their goaltending is bad, they are bad. If their goaltending is great then they are great. So as long as Bennington can keep keep it up, keep that confidence nice and high, don't throw any fake punches, don't get in anyone's face, just play your game. And the St. Louis Blues are, God, who knows? I, I don't know what the hell is going on with that team. They are such a weird fucking team right now. And I don't know, man, maybe it's just them regressing or going back to where they should be. Maybe that eight game, like, it, when it comes to, so, third no, CJ show, CJ Chris Johnson's show. They are going to do pretenders and contenders uh, really soon. It might might be out now, might be this week or something like that. But that's the one I cannot wait for him to uh, for his opinion on what does he think the St. Louis Blues are? Because like right now they seem like contenders, but when you look at that, you have to like really look at that eight game losing streak to like really identify like, okay, was that an anomaly or are there things? during that eight game losing streak that are still happening in the seven game winning streak and now they're just getting some puck luck so i don't watch st louis games 
to to give you that answer but if you're a blues fan how are you feeling right now i i what a roller coaster ride that must have been I, can you imagine if this happened in toronto like the amount of coverage that an eight game losing streak would get and then to go on a seven game winning streak i mean that would be that's a very leaf thing to do but apparently it's the most st louis blues thing to do to go from last place go to the basement and then climb back up to the top of the league again but yeah, they're not fully out of the base. They're not, like, completely out of it yet. But, yeah, a seven-game winning streak is going to help negate that eight-game losing streak. But what are they going to do now? Are they going to go on a 14-game losing streak? Or what are we doing here? But are the St. Louis Blues legit? I would love to know, especially if you're a St. Louis Bl uh, Blues fan. How do you feel about the Blues right now? Are you, are you convinced? Do you feel like that that eight-game losing streak was just a blip on the... Just a blip? Or is, or is that still something to be very concerned about? Are you scared that at any day now, Bennington can lose his confidence and become an 850 goaltender again? Or do you think that he's going to be able to keep this up for the rest of the season and hopefully into the playoffs because that's where you're going to need him the most to play like that unbelievable Bennington that we know he can play as. But right now, the Blues are hot as fuck. But you know who aren't hot as fuck? The Sabres. Oh my god, the Buffalo Sabres have fallen off the face of this earth. What the hell has happened? What are they on now? Like an eight-game in-regulation losing streak. Now that is bad. That is bad. For them to lose that many games in a row in regulation. Like, that's bad, man. That means they haven't really been in any of those games and it's kind of a shame, man, because, like, no, I didn't expect the Buffalo Sabres to necessarily be a playoff contender this year, but I, I wanted them to take a step forward. And it almost looks like it's rather, they're t I don't know if it's quite to a step backwards yet, but it definitely kind of looks like they're the same team as last year, which fucking sucks. But there's a couple of good things about the Sabres right now. And uh, I'll go a little bit more into it when I talk about the Leafs-Sabres game, but at least some of the major players on that squad right now look absolutely incredible. I mean, Tage Thompson is killing it right now. He is absolutely killing it. If he can keep that up, dude, that might go down as one of the best bargains in the NHL, so... That would be really good for Sabres fans, and fuck it. I'm just going to talk about the Sabres right now. Uh, Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin look dangerous already, man. I mean, Dahlin is already there, but the way that Power is playing at his age is quite incredible, man. Like, the, the how good he is already at defense is very, very impressive. He is 18 years old, and he is playing top two defenseman minutes on the Buffalo Sabres, and he's doing just fine. Now, he ain't putting up a ton of points or anything, but his play is good. And, I mean, the future looks very, very bright for the Buffalo Sabres back end. Like, those two were playing together against the Leafs, and I was watching them, man, and like, oh, yeah. I was like, that's going to be a problem in a couple years. Like, you're going to have... It could very well be, like, Owen Power and Darlene running a power play and it could be very very unfun to deal with for for the next decade or so for the toronto maple Leafs, we'll have to wait and see but from what i saw in that buffalo game which you know there wasn't a lot to um take out on the positive side for the sabers but when it comes to rasmus Dahlin, 
Owen Power and Tage Thompson and even Owen Tuck. Those four look great, and that's really good news because those look like four of the big building pieces going forward for the Buffalo Sabres. So that's good news, but yeah, sadly the rest of it is not going well. Um, Eric Comrie, I actually was really hoping for him to be one of the more uh, underrated signings of the offseason because he had a really good... Again, underrated season with the Winnipeg Jets last year. Played great behind Connor Hellebuck. I think he was up in like the 925 save percentage. Excellent season. And then the Sabres signed him. And I thought, hell, maybe this could be the coming out party for Comrie. Does not seem that is the case, which is a shame. That sucks. It's it's never, never good to see a guy not doing well, but... It is what it is. And then Craig Anderson, I mean, you can only ask for so much out of the 41-year-old goaltender. And yeah, sadly, it looks like the Buffalo Sabres are regressing back to their means. And uh, yeah, it looks like they're going to be back into that lottery contention, which is a shame, man. But but it is what it is. I mean, I think it it may be for the best. Uh, Instead of being in that middle of the pack, getting a, a decent pick maybe out of that out of that first round but I think they'd be better off to try and get into that top five this season and just try and bank another really good forward forward would be really good for them and on top of that they've uh, in net they've also been throwing in I love to say this name Uka Pekka Lukanen and sadly so far it doesn't look like it's going too well for him he's still incredibly young so as long as they don't like overuse him and destroy his confidence I still think the future is bright for Uka Pekka Lukanen and for at least for the namesake I hope he he becomes an NHL goaltender because I just want to keep saying Uka Pekka Lukanen Uka Pekka Lukanen how can you it's so fun to say say it it's a good time anyway other teams that are doing dog shit right now, the Ottawa Senators continue their plummet in the rankings right now. They're doing absolutely horrendous. Nikita Zaitsev got waived. Nobody picked him up, and now he's trying to fight people on Twitter, which is absolutely hilarious. I love that. So, didn't see it. Ottawa Senators fans, NHL fans, talking shit about Nikita Zaitsev. And you know what he says? Come fight me. Come meet me in the parking lot. Say that shit to my say, to my face. I'll knock you out. And I find that incredibly hilarious. But yeah, Nikita Zaitsev, uh, the day that contract got signed by Lou Lamorello in Toronto, every single person winced because everyone knew that that contract was going to be bad and it was very much so bad. But, you know, the Ottawa Senators got a pretty decent run out of Zaitsev. He was basically a top two defenseman for them. Uh, for quite a while there, even though he is very much so not a top two defenseman. I could tell you that for free. But uh, yeah, the Sens continue their free fall. Not looking good, man. I mean, they are desperate for defense. They need defensive help really, really badly. Uh, Surprisingly, Cam Talbot has been playing quite well, but hasn't played a lot of games. He just returned from injury not too long ago. Other goaltender there, uh, fuck it, it's not Gustafson, it's the other guy, the other guy, not doing so good, so, was it Forsberg? I don't know, regardless, Sens not doing good right now, looks like the, quite possibly not even doing worse than last year, which is a damn shame, um, what's his face? Debrincat has not been scoring at the caliber that they were hoping for, now, it was kind of expected that Debrincat wasn't going to be maybe that 40-45 goal scorer that he was in Chicago because he doesn't have Patrick Kane with him anymore. But, I mean, I feel like the dip shouldn't have been, like, this bad. I mean, he's got Claude Giroux with him. He's got Timmy Stutzla, both incredibly talented players. But, 
And, it, I mean, he DeBrincat is putting up points. It's just the fact he's not putting up goals. That's what he's known for. That's what he's getting paid for. That's what he was brought in to do was to put the puck in the back of the net. And it's just not going in for him right now. But still early. But, yeah, it looks like the Sens are pretty well dunion rings for uh, for the playoffs this year. So better luck yet next year. And, uh, again, that's a real shame, man, because I had the Sens making the playoffs, I'm pretty sure. And I thought it would have been a, a lot of fun, man. If the Sens were doing good right now, it would be a really fun, awesome story. And, sadly, the biggest thing coming out of Ottawa right now is Deadpool looking to buy them. So, And that's not a guarantee, so that could be even more bad news. Like, Ryan Reynolds pulls out and buys uh, something else. And, on top of that... The Philadelphia Flyers are also sucking again. And uh, that one, kind of just more of uh, regressing to the means. They were going way overperforming at the at the early parts of the season. Carter Hart, I mean, Carter Hart, playing out of his mind, which is great. Super happy to see that Carter Hart is playing up to his potential again. Because I really like Carter Hart, man. I just like young players. I like watching young players become living up to the potential. It's 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 great to see that. I love I love seeing that much more than seeing players not live up to their potential. So Carter Hart may have gotten them a handful of wins that they didn't deserve, and now it looks like uh, the wheels have fallen off the bus, and it looks like Tortorella's hair is falling out at a rapid pace, and it's becoming more gray. So there you go. It looks like some of the teams, the league is starting to settle out a little bit more. Uh, a lot of teams are still in and around 500, but more are starting to fall way down below that 500 mark. And some teams are starting to take off over that 500 mark. But I feel like a lot of the league still is in and around that 500, which is interesting. You know, I, I, I haven't seen an NHL season quite like this in a long time. Uh, not one that I can remember where the league was kind of still this close together. Nothing like last year where I swear it was like a month in. The East was already set for playoffs. It was already locked in. We just need to figure out which four of these teams are going to finish in what positioning. All the rest of them were already out. So not so much the case this year. There's still teams battling for spots. I mean, Flyers are still kind of technically in there. Detroit's fighting. Florida's fighting. So on and so forth. But teams like Buffalo and Ottawa looks like they're done Vancouver done and uh, obviously Arizona Anaheim done so the league is starting to settle out a little bit more but yeah I would still like some more wins for the Toronto Maple Leafs they're still way too close to, to 500 for for me to feel comfortable especially with all the injuries we'll talk about that in a little bit uh, okay so before we talk about the Flames and the Toronto Maple Leafs, I just wanted to talk about, so the hockey guy made a 32 players video of uh, one player doing good uh, on their new team this year. So I just wanted to talk about six of them, uh, players doing good on their new squad. So let's get into it with a player that we just talked about on a team that we just talked about, Claude Giroux joining up with his new team, the Ottawa Senators, has been a great fit. Eight goals, 10 assists so far. I mean, it's been a great fit for him. Hometown boy. He seems to be loving it there. That's a great fit. So I'm happy that Claude Giroux is doing well over there in the Ottawa Senators. Obviously, the, the team itself isn't doing as good as hope, as maybe he was hoping for. But yeah, maybe better luck next year. Better luck next year. But good fit so far. So that's good. Colorado Avalanche. I mean, 
I, I got to throw out Gorgiev, man. He has been a fantastic fit. It seemed a little risky biznew when they made that signing. You know, Gorgiev hasn't really proven himself as an NHL starter yet. The potential was there, and it looks like he's living up to it, man. Nine wins and currently rocking a 929 save percentage. So, Gorgiev is doing very well, much, much better than he did last year as the backup for Shishjirkin in the on the New York Rangers. So, Really good story there for Gorgiev. It seems like, you know, whatever goal he plays for the Colorado Avalanche is going to do possibly better than than expected. I mean, look at Kemper. A lot of people didn't believe that he was all that good. Wins the Stanley Cup. Grubauer. Oh, oh I don't want to talk about Grubauer. Oh, he did good. Vesna-worthy season over there in Colorado. And then he became a Seattle Kraken. And we kind of know how that story has been written. Absolutely horrendous goaltender now. But, yeah, Gorgiev doing good for the Colorado Avalanche. That's great. Los Angeles Kings. Kevin Fiala has done a good job over there so far. Fitting in quite nicely with 7 goals and 14 assists. So... Looks like he's picking off, uh, picking up where he left off in Minnesota. Minnesota right now, very much so missing Kevin Fiala on their team, but that's what happens when you buy out two extremely bad contracts. Your team is going to struggle. But not struggling is Kevin Fiala in LA. Looks like a really good fit and a good signing for them. New Jersey Devils, I mean, I gotta, I gotta say it. He's not putting up the numbers necessarily, but John Marino... Excellent signing, man. He's got two goals, eight assists, but he is a plus 12 over there, and he has been a revelation over there in New Jersey for that defensive core. He has fit in brilliantly, making the making the Pittsburgh Penguins look kind of stupid for giving this guy away, but John Marino fitting in very, very nicely with the New Jersey Devils. And this one, the next one here, I think is quite possibly... The, the best player uh, fitting in with his new team, and that is Dominic Kubalik playing for the Detroit Red Wings. Nine goals, 12 assists so far. I don't know if he's going to keep this up for the sake of my fantasy team. I hope he does. Um, wow, this player, uh, no one saw this coming. Um, this offensive explosion of Dominic Kubalik on the Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> He's shown flashes of offensive ability in Chicago when he played there before. He was a 30-goal scorer. Now, a lot of it may have to have been with the fact that he was playing with Patrick Kane, but the way that he's producing right now, man, he is looking real good. If he can keep this up, man, that's going to look real fucking good on the Detroit Red Wings. And right now, looks like the signing of the offseason. Been a really, really good fit there for Kubalik in Detroit. And last but certainly not least, the Montreal Canadiens. Kirby Doc has fit in surprisingly well for the Montreal Canadiens. Maybe not so much surprisingly, but it was one guy that I truly was rooting for. I, I am a fan of Kirby Doc. Young player, still has that potential. People counting him out already. I, I always root for those players that people have counted out really early. And he's played quite well over there in the Montreal Canadiens lineup. Really seems to be clicking well with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. That right there could be one of the most exciting lineups or lines in hockey going forward. I mean, young gun lines are always a ton of fun. You got Kirby Doc. Cole Caulfield is one of the most explosive players in the league right now. I mean, if you didn't see it, 
the the goal that he scored this week where he tied the game up with like 1.8 seconds left sending it to overtime and then they win in overtime the Montreal crowd was so fucking crazy I I can't help but sit there and be like man I kind of want the Habs to be good again because when the Habs are good the NHL is a lot better I mean, it just is, man. Like, I'm not a Habs fan in any way, shape, or form, but when they're doing good, it's a lot of fun to watch. Like, I that the last five or six minutes of that game popped up because my Leaf game ended. I watched that last five minutes, and I was standing, man. I was having, I was like, holy fuck. Like, and when he scored, I was like, no fucking way. Oh, my God. But seriously, uh, Kirby Doc fitting in very nicely. I'm glad he did. It kind of started out a little shaky, but he seems to have settled in very nicely, and I'm happy for Kirby Doc. That's really good. Uh, if there's any other players out there that you think are doing really well on their new squads, love to hear hear about them. But all done with that for now. I just wanted to talk about six of them so we don't go on too long. But let's get into some of the Calgary Flames talk before we get into my Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, the Flames had a pretty good week. Uh, I did not like that game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That game just fucking stunk right out of the gate. I mean, that, what was it? The the goal got, got called back, man, and that was, like, basically it for me in that game. Like, the life out of that building got sucked right out, and, uh, yeah, it sucked. And it was awesome because Lucic fucking scored, and he doesn't get a lot of those. And it's always a good time when Lucic scores for the Flames, but, yeah, dude. And then Markstrom had a real rough night. Stamkos and Kucherov just sniped some beautiful goals on him. Not much that I felt like he could do on those goals, but dude, that goal by Philip Meyer. Just a floater goes right through Markstrom, dude. And I was like, what the fuck, Markstrom? Like, I was getting really nervous at that point when I saw that goal go in. I was like, fuck, dude. Like, is it just going to be one of those seasons for the Flames? Like, they, they kind of follow the pattern of the of the Philadelphia Flyers where they're like, good one year, miss the playoffs the next, make the playoffs the next year, underperform the next year. And they performed quite well last year until they ran into the Oilers. And this year has kind of been underperforming so well, so far, but kind of seemed like they're pulling themselves out of it a little bit right now. But yeah, that game against the against the the Lightning was a was a bad time. But the Panthers game was fucking awesome. Oh my god, dude. I watched that game. And of course the Flames won that game all because of me. Because I was wearing my Maddie Kachuk Flames jersey. Because oh, there was no more there's never going to be a more perfect game for me to wear my Maddie Kachuk jersey than when the Flames play the Panthers, playing Maddie Kachuk for the first time. And this game lived up to it, man. This was a really, really fun game, man. And there was a really cool moment at the beginning of the game where um, Huberto and Barkov were hanging out at the in the pregame warm-ups or whatever, and they made their fi- a final pass between the two of them. That was a really nice moment. That was nice. I, I enjoyed that. Um, the game did have some spice to it, obviously, uh, with uh, this kind of new rivalry building up. Uh, I was kind of hoping that there would be a, a, a little bit more spice, honestly. There was there was spice, don't get me wrong. It was a little spicy. Uh, there were some fights and stuff. That was good. Uh, Kachuk, though. Uh, of course, he scores the tying goal late in the game with a beautiful tip. And then he gets robbed in the shootout. And Markstrom with a huge stare down on him. That was fucking awesome. And, of course, the cherry on top. Huberto scores in the shootout. The Flames get the big victory over Matty Kachuk and the Florida Panthers. That game was fucking awesome. I had a great time watching that game. 
And I just need to ask this question for Flames fans right now. So this Rudzika guy, what's up with this dude? Is this guy going to be the answer or what? Because, like, he has been putting up some, like, numerous multi-point games recently. He's been a stud over the last few games here. Is this guy going to be the offensive answer, do you think? Now, I don't know much about Ruzika, but he, I just noticed that, man, he's been putting up the points lately. And um, what do you guys think of this player? Have the Flames found that top six uh, consistency that they're looking for? Or are they still trying to get Dubé and Mangiapane up there and working? Regardless, it looks like Huberto, he's starting to get rolling. That's great. Lindholm has just come alive. Like, he was dead in the water. He's exploded. He's starting to look like Lindholm again, so that's great. Mackenzie Wieger, ah, you know, he's, he's still not putting up any points. Like, he, he's put up a couple. You know, he put up a point the other game there, but I was expecting a lot more points out of him so far. Honestly, I think uh, Hannafin and... Anderson have been excellent on the defensive blue line for the Flames this season. I think they're both having really good years. Anderson uh, particularly has been quite good, quite underrated. Not, I don't hear barely anybody talk about basically anyone on the Flames defense, honestly. I just think it's because they have, like, just a bunch of really good ones. It's kind of hard to talk about one without talking about all of them because they're all pretty darn good but i'm happy that the flames are starting to string together some wins here uh they i, I feel like we need they need a little bit of a win streak maybe rattle off five or six wins in a row that would be excellent build up the confidence markstrom starting to get it together a little bit he's still not playing up to um the level that I'm, i was expecting out of him and uh, I, I feel like vladar is going to be a net for them tonight so really need a big win out of vladar gotta get him those wins man when he gets in there he's got to win because uh i i want vladar to play more games and i want them to have more confidence in him and you're not going to build confidence with your coach if you don't win so uh vladar is going to have a big game tonight i am hoping but seriously, Rudzika, what is what's up with this guy? Is he legit or not? Flames fans out there, let me know. All right, let's get to it. I know you've waited over 50 minutes. Let's talk about the Leafs, y'all. But before I talk about anything, John Tavares, I am so fucking sorry, dude. I totally forgot last week to, to mention that you hit your 400th goal in your NHL career. Congratulations, Johnny Tavares. What a season he is having. I mean, our, probably the most consistent Leaf on the team right now is our captain, which is excellent. Very, very good. He is having a hell of a year, man. And I hope everybody, all those John Tavares haters out there, just shut the fuck up. He has been an excellent Leaf every single season. I have enjoyed him. Yes, he kicked it off with, with style with the 47 goals. I don't think, like, that's a career high, man. Like, that's a career year. I wasn't expecting John Tavares to hit those numbers every single year. But he is in and around a point-of-game player. He is the little thing king. He may not be the flashiest guy to watch on the ice, but if you watch him closely, he's incredible. He is an incredible player, man. The little things that he does that make your team better, he's one of the best at it. Now, he's not Austin Matthews out there where you can visually see how dominant he is, but John Tavares puts all these little things together to make him the elite player that he is, so... Fuck yeah, John Tavares. You just keep doing you, buddy. You shut up all the haters because I love you. You're my man. But we have bad news. We have very, very, very bad news. Coming out of Toronto's, <sighs> Morgan Riley is on long 
long-term injured reserve. He suffered a knee injury, and he is going to be down for quite a few weeks. And this is a massive, massive, devastating blow to the Toronto Maple Leafs lineup. Now, it's not over. Let's calm down. Let's take a breath. We can get through this, everybody. We can do this. J- Jordy Ben, damn it. Victor Mete, Holloway, step up. Do it. San Dean, get it the fuck done, dude. This is your time. This is it. Morgan Riley is down. If you can sit there and fill in his spot, you get on that power play, you quarterback it, and you put up a bunch of points, you fuck. Make make everybody shut up, Sandine. Make us love you. Make us realize that you are legit. You are a first-round draft pick player, goddammit. He has to step up because the Leafs are down all of our big defensemen. We are down Morgan Riley. We are down TJ Brody. We are down Jake Muzzin. This is bad, man. This is probably the most depleted the Leafs uh, defensive core has looked ever, I think. I don't think we've had this many major injuries to our blue line in a long time. And um, yeah, the lineup right now for our blue line doesn't look good. Doesn't look as, uh, as tasty as we would like it. Let me just pull up <clears throat> excuse me, the, the suggested lineup that they have tonight against the, f- the what, the 13-game winning streak New Jersey Devils. We got Mark Giordano with Justin Hall. That's an okay one, but top two, <gasps> I don't know. Justin Hall, yes, I will admit, he has been playing better, but is that saying a lot? Because he was playing so incredibly badly, there's, there's really not much worse he could have gotten, but he has been playing better, I will say that. Mark Giordano has been our savior. Thank God he signed with us. Jordy Ben has been great so far. Mac Holloway is getting in there for a game tonight. We will see what he's got. Small defenseman. He's five foot nine. He's young. We'll see what he can do. And then Rasmus Sandin with Timothy Lilligren. Okay, so yeah, not great on paper. We're just gonna have to see how they do tonight. It's gonna be a major major challenge for for that team tonight to go up against the hottest team in the league and the new jersey devils with that depleted lineup i'm rooting for us hard tonight y'all i i I am going to be rooting for this fucking decor to step up for the team around us everybody needs to step up defensively in this time of need man like we are down and we are down a lot on defense so gonna need these guys to step up and um I need, we need it, man. I need Sandine. Answer the bell, man. Please answer the call. And everybody, just all of you guys, we need every single defenseman tonight to step up and, 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 and fucking perform, man, because do it for Mo. Do it for Morgan Riley, man. Let's just rally. I need, we need this to be a rally point. If the Leafs can win this game tonight, end the streak of the New Jersey Devils with that depleted lineup. That is going to be momentum. That is going to be the proverbial the 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 I'm not even gonna try and say it. The the chicken noodle soup for the for the soul. Whatever Steve Dangle says. You know the thing? Anyway. Um so yeah, there's that. Um with that with that uh major injury to the blue line, some trade rumors have been coming around the Leafland. Eric Carlson has been in trade rumors, and you just need to stop it. Not gonna happen. There's no way. There's just no way it's going to happen, man. It's impossible. That contract's too bad. There's no. There's not even an amount of money that can be retained that is going to get him on the team. It, it's just, just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And honestly, I don't really know. 
I don't think that the San Jose Sharks should really do it either. I mean, they're literally going to have to give up assets to get rid of Carlson. I don't know why you would want to do that. I mean, yeah, like Carlson is playing really good, but San Jose still sucks. So, yeah, if you lose Eric Carlson, that'll make him worse. But the fact that you got to give up something and retain, I just don't know if that's really the smart move right now for San Jose. I would I would try and wait maybe for the offseason, wait until the salary cap goes up. Just eat the eat the contract for another year or so until maybe it's more movable. Because right now I think he's still got four years left on it. <sighs> At eleven and a half million dollars, you retain half on that. That's still way too much money, dude. I don't think the Leafs can do it. There's no way. Uh, as there are other teams out there that could do it, but a lot of those teams that could do it, should they do it? Like the Ottawa Senators are out there. Oh, I mean, the story would be brilliant. Eric Carlson coming back to the Sens. But if you remember the way that he left it, it wasn't exactly a great uh, end to that relationship in uh, in Ottawa. But if he came back, that would be a really cool story. But I'm not optimistic about it. I would love to see it. But Eric Carlson to the Leafs? No fuego, senor. It is not going to happen. So... Don't get that Eric Carlson Toronto Maple Leaf jersey made up for Christmas because you ain't getting, you're not getting it. It's not going to happen. Um, just got to shout out Mitch Marner. He continues his his 13-game point streak, so Marner getting it done point-wise. Now he still does some things that piss us all off. You know, he makes those passes, those extra passes sometimes that just fucking make you want to rip your head off. And some, and, and sometimes like in during this week, he made some of those stupid passes during three on three overtime, which causes us to lose games, but he is putting up points. So at least he's doing that. His 13 game point streak is nothing to sneeze at, nothing to snicker at. That's extremely impressive. So Mitch Marner, he's playing well. We just need him to, um, Sometimes his brain, man, sometimes his brain betrays him. He makes those stupid passes, but I mean, the guy has the puck on his stick like 98% of the time that he's on the ice. It's usually him making all the moves. So he's bound to make a mistake here or there. It's just, God, it's just when those mistakes happen, why does it always have to end up in the net? So annoying. Anyway, speaking of annoying, the Toronto Maple Leafs lose to New Jersey in overtime, three to two. I mean, Matt Murray played really good in that game, but the Devils <laughs> just were too much to handle, man. I felt the Leafs played them quite well. And then it just, they just kept piling on, man. The New Jersey Devils just keep coming at you with that speed. And eventually the Leafs are bound to make a mistake and it's going to end up in the back of their net. So couldn't get, couldn't beat New Jersey that night. We got another shot at them tonight. I feel optimistic about tonight, man. I feel really good. I felt really good about them playing them uh, during that game. And it was close, but yeah, the longer that game went, it just seemed like, yeah, the Leafs weren't going to be able to hang in there for the whole game. It was close, but no cigar. And then they played the Buffalo Sabres. Thankfully, they defeated the Sabres 5-2, as they should have. There, there There should not be that little bit of doubt that I feel like all of us Leaf fans have when we when we go up against a team that isn't very good in the standings, maybe not playing very well, and, uh, you know, the Sabres were on a, what, a seven-game losing streak at the time coming in to play the Leafs, and I feel like a lot of us Leaf fans had that in the back of our head. Like, I know they're on a seven-game losing streak, but, I mean, it's the Leafs. Like, we tend to blow these kind of games when it's, uh, 
should be an automatic win on paper, and the Leafs tend to struggle in these games, but thankfully this game they did not, man. They, they kind of just kicked their ass right out of the gate. I think they were up, what, 3 or 4 nothing after the first, and I'm not going to lie, started playing some Pokemon after that. Had the game on in the background, I was watching it, but... I felt pretty damn confident at that point that we're going to win. Sabres made me sweat a couple drips of, of sweat where they made it a little interesting, but not really. And like I said earlier earlier on in the podcast, the, the Sabres looked bad, but Thompson, Power, and Darlene all looked pretty goddamn impressive throughout the game. And I'll, I'll throw out Alex Tuck as well, because I just really like Alex Tuck. He's awesome. And then the other night, we got a heartbreaking loss to the Islanders, 3-2 in overtime. So, you know, the Leafs were able to get points out of all their games this week. But I don't know, man. This one really left a bad taste in our mouth because if you're a goaltender, finish, finish the line, tend the goal. Shalgren coughs it up late in the third, man. He leaves his net to make a play. Jamie or Jordy Ben reads it wrong. He thought it was going to go in the corner. It didn't. Fucking Islanders get the puck back. It's in the back of the net. And um, yeah, it goes to overtime. The Leafs did not play well at all in that overtime. Gave the puck up. Bolivier snipes it top cheese. And man, Islanders win. They steal the two points from the Toronto Maple Leafs. They only had, what, three minutes left in that game, and Shalgren fucking coughs it up with a brutal giveaway, and it's in the back of the net yet again. Just one of those mistakes. Ends up costing us the fucking game, so yeah. Uh, obviously, everyone's a little bit upset right now with Shalgren, but man, I could not help but feel fucking bad for him. I didn't get to watch this game last night. I was working, but I watched the highlights, man, and... Um, I couldn't help but feel bad for him when that when that Bolivier shot went in and he just instantly just took off. He was gone. He knew exactly what happened. He knew that he lost them the game. He is very, very aware that it's on his shoulders that he lost them that game. It, it was quite evident that he knew that with his body language leaving the ice. So hopefully he doesn't beat himself up too badly for this. I mean, yes... It was a brutal mistake that cost us a game, but I mean, I still have to give Shalgren a lot of props, man. He's uh, he's done well in the situation for a third-string goaltender. He's 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 won us games. He's kept us in there. Yes, he loses us that game tonight, which sucks. We do get a point out of it. Um, all I can say is stay in your fucking net for god's sakes and i'm looking at you too samsonov you're terrible at hand handling the puck so just stay in your net like especially when there's only that much time left in the game dude why would you even risk it like that like no reason to do that shulgren there really really wasn't so bad fuck up right there uh, a mental collapse for the toronto maple leafs and they played a sound fucking game too man they were playing a really good game and then it happens again, you know, they, they play a 55-minute game and then blow it in five minutes, and that's all it takes, man. It really doesn't take long to lose a game in the NHL. Look at how some teams score in the league. Like, the Leafs were pretty well known to be able to rattle off two, three goals in a few minutes. And it happened this week. I forget what team it was, but they rattled off a bunch of goals. This is a different NHL. You uh, Two-goal leads are not safe. Three-goal leads are not even safe anymore in this league, so... 
got to fucking play the whole 60 minutes for God's sakes with this team. So again, these mistakes with the Toronto Maple Leafs, these problems with the Toronto Maple Leafs continue to be here, man. And I don't care if they're winning. The fact of the matter is these problems are detrimental. They are crippling this team. It is the biggest reasons why we are losing big games. This is why we're losing game sevens. We can't play full 60. You can't play consistently in the defensive zone. You can't make smart passes. They make ridiculously dumb plays when there's almost no pressure on them. And like... They just got to get out of their own way sometimes and stop overthinking things. And I understand the market that they play in is incredibly difficult. And people like me and media, we don't shut up about it. And um, it's because we care, man. We care a lot. Way too much, honestly. I understand that. I think, yes, us Canadians and Toronto Maple Leaf fans care too much about this. I try my best, you know, to not be so upset. I mean, I've got, I feel like I've gotten a lot better about it over the last few years because honestly, I've just gotten a little bit calloused over the the last 20 years of being a Leaf fan. I've seen some of the most devastating losses that you can experience. And um, yeah, I pretty much got solidified, like Cal, uh, pretty much my, my heart turned into stone once we lost to the Habs. Like I saw that one coming once game five happened. I was like, we're losing this. That's it. And uh, we did. And, uh, yeah, when we lost, I was like, yep, pretty much. And then I moved on. But, um, yo, some of the, I'm not going to lie, like, those Game 7 losses to the Bruins, like, I was fucking, like, miserable about it for, like, two, three weeks. Legitimately just upset. Like, depressed, basically. Like, very upset. And I don't let that happen anymore because it's just a game. It's just a game. But it's, I, I'm a fan, so I can get passionate, but... I don't let it get to me and be mad about it for more than a few minutes. So I did my rant. I feel better now. I just want them to play more consistently. And there's nothing. It's just very frustrating when you have a team that is this good on paper, quite possibly the best team the Toronto Maple Leafs have ever had on paper. And they play this inconsistently. You just want to see consistency. And we know this, like, we all know this. We've heard the story a million times about the Detroit Red Wings, how Stevie Y and the boys couldn't get it done, and they just kept going at it. They just kept going at it, and then finally they figured it out where it's not just about offense. It's about 200-foot game. Look at Ovechkin and the Capitals. They didn't always play the 200-foot game, never got the success that they wanted in the playoffs, and then they started playing the right way. They started playing playoff hockey. They started playing defensively. They started forechecking harder, and then they got their cup. They started playing more consistently. They got the goaltending. Yes, you need luck. You need to have some luck when it comes to winning a Stanley Cup. And yes, the Leafs tend to not have any of that luck, but regardless, man, that's been the problem, the consistent problem with the Leafs for many, many years now. So that's why a lot of Leaf fans get upset even when they're doing well, but you can still see those problems there because it's been a consistent problem for years and they still haven't figured it out yet. So it's frustrating. So I understand Leaf fans being upset. I would totally understand if Leaf fans are upset right now with that Islanders loss. It was very, very upsetting loss. I understand that completely. But regardless, man, I, it's it's we're still... I think that the team, the fact that we've had this many injuries, I think they're still doing pretty well. Tonight is going to be a major, major test for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hottest team in the league right now, and we are depleted. So, rooting for the Leafs tonight. Hope you guys are going to watch that game tonight. If you are, 
hit me up on Twitter. We can talk about the game. It'd be a lot of fun. You can follow uh, the descriptions down below and all that great stuff. I am going to call it an episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you made it all the way through, you are a special human being. Go get yourself a... What are we going to give you this week? How about a nice... How about a nice... Uh popsicle how about a popsicle you want a popsicle there you go have yourself a popsicle made it through all this and you can have a second popsicle uh, how about a fudgesicle you can have a fudgesicle if you go and tell 10 people about this podcast and tell them to check it out you can have a fudgesicle so again thank you for listening go down the description and check out my youtube channel gamer gx videos on youtube daily uploads over there doing an uncharted 3 uh let's play and disco elysium go over there and check that out Lots of Let's Plays, over 500 videos you can go check out over there. Like I said, daily uploads, so there's always something to watch over there. Lots of stuff that, tons of videos, man, tons of videos, double uploads on Saturdays. Make sure you go check out last week's, or uh, this week's GX GamerCast, talk about Super Mario Brothers 3. Oh my god almost threw up uh, and then of course go check out my latest episodes of the gx wrestlecast big week in wrestling we had the full gear review and of course the regular wrestling recap for the week so i really appreciate y'all go check out those and all that great stuff uh next will be the wrestlecast on saturday and i am going to be doing a modern review this week on the gx gamer cast coming up on monday we'll be talking about death loop so be on the lookout for another modern review podcast coming your way make sure you're following along with the podcast make sure you like it and all that great stuff and have yourselves a lovely rest of your day you are getting closer to the weekend baby you're so close and let's go leafs let's end that 14 that whatever win streak however fucking many we're ending it matthews 20 goals let's go